not sure exactly where I'm going. Um, a passage that I've been meditating on a lot this past week. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 10, I've shared it. Um, I think it's very pertinent to this day, to our body, and uh, to the world in which we live. Second Corinthians 10:3 says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds." Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He says, we walk in the flesh, but we not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. As I've looked at what's going on in our world, uh, I'm amazed that how easy it is to be drawn to respond or to react out of the flesh. For me, things even this week that have come out and, and things that have been, been said, I can see the purpose in it is to draw attention away from uh, the spiritual back to the natural and everything, whether it be injustices or whatever that's coming, uh, <clears throat> and just how much media drives it, how they drive a narrative of division, uh, and it's just calls me to come back to this and realize that I have a choice that I can be sucked in to living from a fleshly perspective and seeing things only by what's going on around me or what's being said to me or to, to whoever, everyone, or I can look to him who is faithful and who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, as I've been looking at that and just, again, the things that are going on in society uh, today, and I see the constant draw to react and respond as mere human beings. And he said, we are not merely humans, <laughs> that we're born from above. I was reading in, in John this morning, and John, I read through Luke and went back to John, and uh, John chapter 1 Verse 12, it says, As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Again, there's our word flesh. He said, But as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. 
he gave us the right. That word right is the, the Greek word exosia. It literally means the authority. He gave us the authority to be sons of God through faith in what Jesus accomplished. Because it goes on to continue to talk about the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> Verse 16, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I know all of these are uh, familiar scriptures. But I've noticed in myself and in others how easy it is to walk away from truth and just walk in feelings, emotions, and what's going on, be our world be shaped by what's going on around us instead of us shaping the world in which we live. Which brings me to one of the passages that I shared last week, Romans chapter 8. Verse 12 through 17. Said so there were two passages I wanted to look at. Romans 8, 12 through 17, and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to, not to the flesh. Remember, we just read that. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So we saw in John chapter 1, right, to as many as believe, he gave them the authority to become children of God, sons of God. It says right in the King James Version, but it literally means the authority. And he said here, if you, uh, so go on, it's verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Again, John chapter 1. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So as I was looking at this and meditating on it over the past couple of weeks, there's a couple of words that I want to just pull out and define from, uh, from the Greek. He says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. The word flesh there is sarks. And it means this, of natural or physical origin. The sensuous nature of man with cravings which incite to sin. So he said, we're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the natural. Remember we started with 2 Corinthians that, that uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not of this world. But they're mighty through God. So the, the Lord is showing me in this season in my life, and I think in the, the church, and I'm not talking about a building, uh, not even this local church family, this local body, but the church at large, the ecclesia, the called out body of believers, he said that our weapon, that our warfare is not with the flesh and blood. It's not with those that we dislike or disapprove of, or even the ones that we do like. 
that we can't put our trust and our hope in them, that it's got to be from living from a spiritual realm. We have to understand the realities of scriptures, that what he says that we are. Again, we're not debtors to the flesh, to uh, that physical origin, the sensuous nature of man with cravings which incite to sin. So we're not a debtor to that, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you by the spirit, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So this word live here is zao, Z-A-O, Z-A-O, zao. And it means to live, past life, in the manner of living or acting. It means literally your behavior, your morals, or your character. So he said, if we live our morals and our characters according to the flesh, we will die. In the, um, that word die there, it's, it's deep. It means die. what it means. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The word death is this, thanato, thanatao, and it means to put to death, to destroy, to render extinct. By death, be liberated from the bond of anything. Literally, to be dead in relation to something. So how does this happen? By works, by striving? Is that what it said? I just read it. It's not a trick question. No, he said, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So it's not by striving. It's not by trying to do better. It's literally by the person of Holy Spirit. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The natural man can't receive the things of God, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned or understood. So it's by the Spirit. Because I talked a few weeks ago, how can people who I know love God have such different perspectives and, and be responding differently in this situation, in, in the circumstances that we're living in today? The, the responses are so vast, and many times it's because we're not putting to death by the Spirit. We're putting to death by what we think should, should be put to death and leaving alone what we don't. And in turn, what we're doing is we're making Jesus look a whole lot like us. Because what's comfortable to us, instead of us realizing that we're in him, that we're one with him and walking in that position. And he said here, but if by the Spirit you put to death, that you render extinct, that you're liberated from the bond of anything, literally to be dead in relation to something, which immediately thinks, makes me think of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, just in case you're not familiar. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism and death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, 
that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Isn't that exactly what it said? To be freed from. Again, to death here, he said, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body to render extinct, to by death be liberated from the bond of anything, literally be dead in relation to something. For he who has died, verse 7, has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live, we also, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin, how many times? Once and for all. Once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it, obey it in its lust, and present your members as instruments of and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. To God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. For you are not under the law, but under grace. But what precedes that is the reality that when we were baptized, we died with Him, that we live now, we live from this reality of being in Him, because just as we died in Him, we were resurrected in Him. And now we live in the newness of life. We live from a new style, a new perspective of life. And as I've been meditating on that, I've honestly just had to do a checkup and say, God, how much of the newness of life am I really living from? Or how much am I allowing life that's happening around me to happen upon me? Because if I'm living from newness of life, I'm living from his life that's in me. I'm in him. He's, he's in me. We've become one. John, I'm not going to go back over to John right now. John, Jesus prayed for it in John chapter 17. He told us that it's imperative in, in John that he go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. And um, so this oneness that God has birthed us into, Romans chapter 6 is talking about that. Again, going back to Romans chapter 8. So 8, you could say, is built on the truth of 6. Are you with me? So in Romans 8, we see this, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And here's what's interesting. I wanted this word live, you know, maybe you don't, but in the Greek, there can be word like life can have different meanings for our one English word life. Like love, the word love, we can have phileo love, we can have eros love, we can have agape love. Are you with me? So in scriptures, we can read an English word and we can just lump everything together. But I wanted this word life to be, uh, instead of Z-A-O, I wanted it to be Zoe, Z-O-E. Because that would fit my theology better. Because I wanted it to be that if you by, death, by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you'll have God's kind of life. Because that's what Zoe is, the God kind of life. When Jesus said that 
he, would, uh, he told Nicodemus he must be born again, that he could have the God kind of life, that he would have eternal life. That's the God, Zoe life. That's what I want it to be. But guess what? It's not. It's the same word. It's that same word, life, that means your manner of living and acting, your behavior, your morals, and your character. So why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because we have the ability in this life to be ruled either by flesh or by the Spirit. You are the deciding factor. It's not the enemy. It's not just this thing that happens to you because you get born again. In this life, track with me, in this life, being born from above, one with the Father, walking in unity with Jesus, we died with him, we were resurrected with him, we can still choose to live out of our sensual desires, out of our flesh. It's not because we have two natures, it's because we have a will. We can still live out of that sensual by being moved by what we see, hear, feel, taste, smell. We can be moved by that or we can live above that. We can come up higher. And that's why he said, come up higher. Come up higher. It's time for us. And this is where I started with the reason I started with 2 Corinthians 10. Because we've got to understand that our battle, our war is not with flesh. It's not with our governor or our president. That's why he said pray for all those who are in authority, that it might be peaceable with you. It doesn't excuse behaviors, but what I'm telling you is we have a choice. We have a choice in this building this morning to choose how we're going to live. Because these are the same words here, the same word for live. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And the word deeds there, it literally means a mode of acting. You're doing whatever you're doing. By the Spirit, you put to death, that you render extinct, you literally are dead in relation to something. How's it happen? By the Spirit. Not by works, not by... strong persuasion, even. Anyone ever... Anyone ever knew what was right to do and still did wrong? You have a choice. And that's what he's saying in this passage right here. That we can live according to the flesh and you'll die. It'll bring death. It'll bring destruction. When you live, Anybody ever lashed out in the flesh and it, it brought this wonderful thing that you wanted it to bring? I mean, just in relationship, in, in marriage, I can tell you. That I think it was Jimmy and Karen Evans said this. You won't always be right and be happy. Happy. I share that a lot with, with uh, couples when we talk in, in marriage and stuff. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I've seen my wife champion that more than me 
we have a discussion about something, and I'm just sure as you're born, I'm right, she'll just drop it. She's trying not to smile. She'll just drop it, and I'll keep going, and then what comes around is I realize that she was right. And she just chose not to engage that way, to not respond and react that way. And you know what would have been easier for me if she had just fought back? (laughs) Because then I could have felt a little justified. But when she just bows out and then is still right, sweet Jesus. And the Lord is saying... He he did not create us puppets. But when we acknowledge and live from that place of being resurrected in him, free as a choice of our will, that's worship going up to him. That's worship going up to him. Because he said here, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It doesn't produce. In my life, I can say, I can't answer for you, but I can say this. That when I respond in the flesh, very, 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 very rarely have I ever seen life or what I really wanted to come from out of it. When I allow anger to be what motivates me or my right or desire to be right instead of to hear. Because what I've realized most of the time, what we want to do is be heard instead of hear. Okay. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So as I was just meditating on that, I was like, Lord, I wanted that to be, you're going to have the God kind of life if by the Spirit you do these things. And he said, nope, it's a choice. We have the ability to live this life ruled by the flesh or led by the Spirit. That's why he says, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He didn't say, don't do all these things and you'll be in the Spirit. Right? So, we can't just limit it to a few things. We can't just limit it to sexual sin or or anger or frustration or or whatever. We've got to recognize that this affects every area of our lives. We can either walk in the flesh and respond in the flesh or we can ascend and walk from the Spirit. And when we walk from the Spirit, it's not just producing life in me, but it'll release life in others. And so what's going to change the atmosphere that I live in is not me reacting like everyone else is reacting, but truly spending time with the Father, even as um, Brianna said earlier, is meditating on who He is, taking time. He said, she told him, he said, meditate in the Word day and night, and you'll be prosperous in your way. Meditate. That doesn't just mean read. It means to mull it over. To meditate on him. Just an aspect of him. And so this, this passage of scripture I've been meditating on. And realizing how much. And I've told you this is. And it's probably old. It's not funny anymore. But it's still a reality in my life. And I'm realizing it's because I choose the flesh. And I have absolutely no control. And that's in my driving. Amen. 
I mean, Jesus, take the wheel. But I saw just yesterday, I was driving and allowing myself to be frustrated to come over in the flesh. And you know what? The Bible, he said, if you live from the flesh, you'll die. It's been proven, medically proven, that stress kills you. How stupid, right? For, and I'm talking about me, so I can say that word. To be stressed over something I have absolutely no control over how somebody else is driving. I can be speaking life all over me and declaring life and declaring truth and all that and then living contrary to that. See, that's how real this is. <laughs> we can choose. And yesterday, because I've been meditating on this yesterday, riding down the road, and, and I allowed these things to happen, for, I wasn't even in a hurry. I wasn't late. Are you with me? Anybody bear witness with what I'm saying? Thank you. There's a few in the room. I didn't get into condemnation. I just got revelation. Todd, this is what you've been, you can choose life. He said, I put before you life and death. Choose life. <laughs> and I heard, I think it was, I don't remember who it was now. Maybe it wasn't anyone. Maybe it was just me and the Lord. I can't remember. But he said, Todd, you know how it's so easy for you to get short-tempered and frustrated? He said, because you practice it really well. You practice it really well. You spend time med meditating on it, riding down the road. When you see things that you, you disapprove of or, or things like that, you, you've, got, you've perfected that pretty good in your life. Now, how much more if you just meditated on me, on my faithfulness, even like Katie brought this morning, that we declare the goodness of God. We prophesy the promise. We start speaking truth instead of true. Because there are some things that are true right now that are going on in the world that aggravate the snot out of me. And I can meditate on those things, and you know what it changes? Yep. I used to say nothing, but that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. It changes you. That doesn't mean we go silent and we don't stand for truth, but what it means, if I meditate on the things that are true, that, act, that aggravate me and frustrate me, all I'm going to do is manifest what I'm meditating on. But if I stand in truth, if I stand for what I believe and not what I disagree with, There's a huge shift. Now I can release life because I'm not wrapped up in death. <laughs> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's what he was, he was showing me is that these things that I, many times when I respond in, in anger and frustration, really what I'm responding out of is fear. And it's a spirit I'm not supposed to partner with. For you've not given a spirit of fear, but of 
Power, love, and a sound mind. Brianna knew that when she was little. Oh, they were, she was in the back in her car seat. Where were y'all going? It was you and Gail? They were going somewhere. I don't even remember what happened, but Brianna yelled out from the back. We ain't been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And I'm not going to get into all that Jesus suffering he suffered. He didn't suffer sickness. He didn't suffer disease. What he suffered was the disapproval and the frustration of man, <laughs> the, the anger of man towards him because he didn't look like what they thought he was supposed to look like when he came, in a nutshell. So we choose. Again, Galatians 5, I just, I said it, but Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So again, this isn't placing uh, law on our heads to try to get us to behave right. That's what I've noticed in church throughout the years. And what we're more after, instead of transformation, we're after behavioral modification. Instead of teaching people who they are and what it is to walk by the Spirit, we tell them what they're not supposed to do. And we think that's spiritual maturity. And all, all it is doing is behavior modification. Instead of transformation, realizing that I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. So then where I should be going instead of to the flesh is I should be ascending. <laughs> and seeing from his perspective. So when I pray, I don't pray to try to manipulate or control God or get him to do what I want him to do. True intercessory prayer is seeing from his perspective and declaring what he's already said. Agreeing with heaven and releasing it on the earth. Living from above, not from below, beneath. Again, 2 Corinthians is the other scripture I talked about last week. I was just looking, sorry. Um, <clears throat> where he talks about walking in the newness of life in Romans 6. I knew that I had a note and I couldn't find it earlier when I was reading in Romans 6. And Romans 7, 6 says that, that we died to the law and now serve in the newness of the Spirit. This word newness is only used twice, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken as I was studying Romans 6 4 and Romans 7 6 but it literally means this 
the, the state of life in which the Holy Spirit places us so as to produce a new state, which is eternal life. The state of life in which the Holy, this new state of life in which the Holy Spirit places us so as to produce a new state, which is eternal life. So this newness of life is that Zoe type of life that God's desiring when we understand that we died with him, we're resurrected in the newness of life, that we live, that we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. This life that he's wanting to produce in us is the God kind of life that we saw Jesus walking in on the earth. That's what's supposed to be produced in us and out of us. And I've been reading my Bible, the scriptures through that lens of what is, if Jesus is perfect theology, and he is, Hebrews 1 says he's the exact representation of the Father. 1 John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this earth. And I look at Jesus and I see what Jesus did. Then I even look at some of the disciples and see how they functions and how they operated. And I look at that and I go, man, this is the pattern of life that, we, that should be normal to us. One of those I've shared before, Jesus being in the middle of a, a group of people who was ready to stone him and throw him off a cliff, and it said Jesus hid himself and walked through the midst of them. He say, amen, yeah, that's right, and all that. But what if I hid myself right now, and then I revealed myself, and I was in the back of the room? You know what you would say? That's new age. That's, that's ungodly. I could go on. That's just the, I'm just scratching the surface right there. There's so much that we in the church, when we look at the Spirit, living in the Spirit as Jesus did. Jesus, again, you know, Jay, when I was talking to Jay, Jay asked me this morning, he said, man, what about John when Jesus turned the water into wine? That first miracle. Just think about that. His mom came up to him and said, Jesus, they ran out of wine. He said, and? She said, you can do something. He said, it's not time for me to do anything. If I do this, everybody's going to know, and it's gonna, it's gonna, everything's going to shift into motion. You know what she did? Hey, guys, <laughs> whatever he tells you to do, do it. And there were six water pots that they used for cleaning. So there were six. They said that those water pots were around 20 gallons. So they were probably... You know, they weren't like a 50-gallon drum. They were probably so big and so tall. And they were, he said, go fill those with water and then go dip it out and take it to the headmaster. <laughs> headmaster, I can't remember. That master of ceremonies. Headmaster. I went to school for just a moment. <laughs> so they dip it out and they take it and the guy says, hold up, time out, stop the party. Most people say put the good wine out first. And then when everybody's can't taste it, drunk, then they bring out the bad, and they, but you saved the best for last. Where'd it come from? Jesus. Jesus was a winemaker. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just trying to just trying to shake us because we're so religious. We're so religious. But that first miracle, that wasn't a miracle of healing. It wasn't even a, mil a miracle of uh, someone dying or provision in that area. It was just 
a miracle of, of blessing, of abundance. They would have still been married if they didn't have wine. They'd have been shamed in the eyes of the people and all that, but it was a luxury. It wasn't anything. It wasn't a necessity. That's the heart of Jesus that I'm talking about. So just that miracle. Then we see on more than one occasion, he disappeared or hides, hides himself. Right? This is in our Bibles. This is pre-resurrection. Then after resurrection, he shows up in the middle of the room. 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is right now, so are we in the earth. Not as he was, as he is, right? So why do you think the enemy wants us to be so consumed with the world, with the flesh and what's going on around us? Because he doesn't want us to ascend. He doesn't want Romans 8 children of God looking like children of God, sons of God functioning as sons of God, because the world now is tapping into it, You new age and all that. Here, I was talking to someone the other day about new age. We might have less people next week, but I'm okay with that. We write new age off and call it demonic and all that. Here's what I know. There's not anything happening in the spirit realm, new age, uh, uh, fortune tellers, any of that that's happening. It's not a copy of an original. Satan is not a creator, he's an imitator. So if we see it in the world, whether it be new age, where we see these people levitating and all, and I'm telling you, some of these magicians that you see now, it's not sleight of hand or trick of eye or anything like that, because they're walking straight out in Nevada Broadway, uh, Nevada on the strip and levitating. So if that's happening, and it is, and it's a copy of the original. I see it in Jesus. On the day when he, re- when he left, he, it said he ascended in the air. He just lifted straight up off the ground and left them while they watched him. What's this have to do with anything? I'm telling you, he's calling us to walk from the Spirit to walk as sons of God, and we get so distracted by everything that's going on around us, and we think spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is casting down governors and presidents. And it's ascending to, to live as a son that's saying, I'm above those things, so if I can live from that place of being above, I can see things shift and happen without the striving of my flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He wants us to walk in the newness of life. Walk in the newness of the Spirit. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, check this out. Verse 13, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. Or if we have a sound mind, it's for you. You know what that is in everyday English? If we're crazy, it's for God. That's literally what it means beside us. It means out of your mind, lunatic, crazy. It's for God. (laughs) But if we're in our right mind, it's for you. I believe what he's saying is I'm so out there with him that people think I'm crazy. But I put some stuff together so that you can. Jesus himself said there's so much I want to tell you, but you can't handle it. 
He said, it's imperative that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come because he's going to lead you into truth. He'll tell you all things that I've said. So wait, if Jesus is Aleph and Toph, beginning and end, if he was in creation, and he was, because John says there wasn't anything made that, wasn't, that was made without him, right? If he's seated in heaven right now, he is. He's still talking. He's still saying. So he's saying, Holy Spirit will reveal things to you that you hadn't heard yet. Now, it won't be contrary to Scripture, but it might not be something where you can put your finger on a verse. Are you just trying to run people off? Maybe. I'm not trying to run anyone off, but I want us to wake up. We have a supernatural book. Scriptures that we can read from that give us pictures of a greater picture. It's not the whole picture. It's snapshots of a greater picture. That's what the Gospels are. They're not everything. John's Gospel said if everything Jesus said and did, the whole world couldn't contain the volumes. That's just what he did while he was here on earth. But he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. What are we talking about today? We're talking about walking in the Spirit, living from the Spirit, not living from the flesh. If there's ever been a day that we needed to live from the Spirit, it's today. But I'm telling you, living from the Spirit's not just being good moral people. Living from the Spirit, led by the Spirit, is living as supernatural beings. You are a supernatural being living in a natural body, but you're not bound by that body. Selah. So as we, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, focus. Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us. Different translations say a different way. Constrains us, compels, pushes us out, holds us tight. Because we judge this. If one died for all, then all died. Have you seen a theme here? We talking, what did y'all think about church this Sunday? Dying. Yeah. Talked about dying. Tell me your church again. Just want to make sure I don't go. Because from dying is true life. Except the corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Much fruit. Romans 6, we died with him. The problem, the struggle is we're still trying to live. We're try, we, we believe in resurrection because we're forever trying to resurrect that old dead man. In attitude and action and minds and, and all of that. And you know what it is? We said it a month ago. What we're, what we're wanting to do is eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil instead of the tree of life. Hmm. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, listen to this, verse 16, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. This word right here, regard, is the Greek word uh, oida, I think, uh, O-I-D-A. And it means uh, uh, 
to, to know with the mind, to regard with the mind. So he said, we don't recognize or regard anyone according to the flesh. Then he goes on to say, we have known Christ that way. And that word know, there's gnosko, and it means intimately know. Know through experience and stuff like that. So what is he saying? He's saying, I have known Christ according to the flesh. I've known about him, his actions and all that, but I don't know him that way anymore. I know him by the Spirit. Yet I know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. That word new creation means something that's never been before. I shared this, I don't know how recently, but years ago I shared it. I want to forget when the Lord gave me this revelation. He said, you have dual citizenship. We're born from above, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. But we live in our physical bodies on the earth. There's a reason for that. Because this body has authority on this earth. This body, the earth he's given to the sons of men. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. So as men, we have authority. We have dominion on the earth. That's what he told Adam and Eve in the beginning, wasn't it? Have dominion. But if we're caught up in the flesh and, and what's been right or what's been wrong or who what did this or who did that, and we're not living from the Spirit, because here's what I know. If we can live from the Spirit in the earth, we'll, we'll make change in the areas that we're striving in right now. Because Jesus did everywhere he went, he brought change. Some people from the outside looking in could say some good change, some bad change. But everywhere he went, he brought change. But Jesus wasn't living, he was in this realm, but he wasn't living from this realm. He was living from above. Because he said in John 5, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. Are you with me? He was in the world, but he was living from a different realm. And that's who we are in the earth. As he is, so are you in the earth. So when we look at this and we look at the scriptures and we see who Jesus is, and who we are, that's why I, it's distraction, distraction after distraction after distraction. You know, we were here this morning, and Brittany's mentioned it, and it wasn't just me. There was probably eight of us here. The whole worship team was here on the stage when the earthquake hit. And Brianna and Tina start texting. Brianna said, what was that? And I'm like, what? I knew she was in her house. And Tina was at her house, so I knew it had to be something pretty big, a boom or something, for her to be asking in our group text, what was that? Are you tracking with me? I'm that sharp. <laughs> and I said, what? And she said, my whole bed shook and stuff like Tina said. Yeah, mine too. She said, the mirror about came off the wall. I'm like, what? And nothing happened. I didn't feel anything here. I have a friend who's a, a mile away from us. He put on Facebook, he felt it. And you can ask anyone that was in the building here. We didn't feel anything here. The whole team standing on the stage, people coming in. Brianna was even saying she had just looked at her phone because Tyler was late this morning. Smack him on the wrist when you're walking out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tyler was walking in at 8.07, and it said that the earthquake hit at 8.08. And so Brianna was standing right here talking to him, walking right through here, and I'm sitting right there where John's sitting. Jen's sitting two seats down from me. Felt nothing, heard nothing, but 
Jay had was over there in this cage like animal, and he was beating on the drum, so that might have been why we didn't hear anything. There was, Landon had him pushed up, and he was boom, 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 boom. Uh, it, was, it was pretty loud, but we didn't feel anything. Lights didn't sway or anything like that, and Tina said our mirror was about to come off the wall. And immediately I thought of the scripture that in Hebrews where it says that, uh, that we are a part of an unshakable, anything that can be shaken will be shaken, but we're part of an unshakable kingdom. Now, do not hear that this building is the house of God, and God is here, and that's why we weren't shaken. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is there was shaking going on around us that I was totally irrelevant to, <laughs> except for social media. And it's not bad. This report wasn't bad. I'm not saying that. But media drives your attention. And then all of a sudden, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking through Facebook. And everybody who's talking about it, from the mountains to the snow camp to all over, everybody felt it. I didn't feel anything. It's everywhere. And so, and the Lord was just saying, see what the enemy's doing? And I'm not saying, please don't get religious. I'm just saying there's so much vying for your attention. There might have been people who stayed home today because there was an earthquake. Bless God, there might be an aftershock. We're going to fall into a crater. Tina's immediate response was, people get ready. Jesus is coming. <laughs> Soon we'll be going home. <laughs> but I'm looking at this world, and I'm looking at even the prophetic word that's been spoken in this house by my wife when we, we hadn't communicated the first of the year. This is a year of vision, 2020, vision, clarity. And what's happening? Man, scales are being lifted off of everything. In the world, we see movie stars, political figures, all that being exposed. We see government. I'll leave it alone. We see it. It's clear to see what government is doing. And we can look at all of that, and we can know everything that's going on. You can know the statistics about COVID and all that. And I was there, so frustrated. All of that stuff, you can focus on all of that, and, and you can become intelligent about all of that and live from the flesh and miss what God's doing right now. Or we can choose to come up higher, come up higher, just like he told John, come up higher. John, again, John went to heaven. Paul went to heaven. Jesus brought heaven down. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to stay away from that for now. But these are things that are available to the believer, but yet we can be so focused on everything that's going on around us. And that's what I want you to hear today, is that are the things that are happening real? Absolutely. They're real. But we live from a truth that supersedes that reality. But if we're focused on that reality, that's where you'll live, your realm. It's just like I've said before, and I'll say this and I'll close. The Bible talks in Ephesians about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I've watched in, in local assembly, we operate out of that revelation, that realm, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But it normally goes this way, apostle, prophet, evangelist, I'm not going to do that, pastor, married to church, teacher, get in your ear. We live from that revelation, and that's not where it stops. If you keep reading it, he says, till we all come mature sons. So even in organized religion, we think these titles are what make us who we are. All they are is to get us to where we're supposed to be. And that's everyone in here, a son of God living as a mature son. But we can get hung up on what's your gift. 
That's where I'm at. Your gift is this, and you got to have this, and you got to have that, and you got to do that. What now? All those point to a, a mature son. And so I am pursuing a mature son. Not trying to be one, that's what I am, but to live from that reality and that realm. Should we see the gifts in the church? Absolutely. But if we don't think we can do it until all that's doing it just right, then we've missed what that whole passage is talking about. We've hung our hat on a lower revelation. Amen. Preach it. That's truth. We've hung our hat on a lower revelation. Those are important, but they're for a purpose. They're not that this is not the landing point. This is the takeoff point. Woo! How different is that? That we don't land on our, our titles and our giftings. That's where we start from. That's the floor that we jump off on. Woo. It's not going to happen if we're consumed with the flesh and the things of the flesh. Does that make sense? Is I just preaching, teaching, talking to me today? We've not just been called, we've been prepared, we've been set apart, we're born into something far greater than what I've seen, my personal revelation, my, my personal experience, not revelation, my personal experience, and I feel the Lord is calling us up into that, that we're walking by the Spirit, and you know what I love about that? Philip, walking by the Spirit, overtook a chariot. When there was a man there reading the scriptures, Philip overtook the chariot. I like that translation. (laughs) He overtook it, and the guy asked him, said, let me ask you a question. Is this guy talking about himself or another? And then Philip begins to expound on the scriptures about Jesus and about being born from above. And the, the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, what's hindering me from being baptized? There's water. It could have been a mud puddle. There's water. What's hindering me? Philip, nothing. The eunuch, stop. They get down in the water. Philip baptizes the man. When he comes up, when the eunuch comes up, Philip, gone. It says they found him in Azotus. I've studied that out. There's no specific. It's anywhere from 25 to 35 miles away. Philip didn't dunk him, hold him under, and take off running. That's not what happened. Philip, in the Spirit, it says the Spirit caught Philip away. <laughs> when the Lord showed me that years ago, I, I've prayed, that, Lord, I want to be translated. I want to be translated. I want to be here doing this, and then I'm over there doing that. And it'd be nice for you to bring me back. <laughs> Don't have to catch a plane back or, or whatever. And I know of people who have been. And I think that I have been. I either saw a vision that was so clear or I was translated and saw it with my eyes and then I went back. And whether it happened or not, I don't know. Paul said whether in the spirit or, or in the flesh or in the, I don't know. But here's what I know. I was caught up. Ow. Why do you think the enemy wants us so distracted by what's going on around us? If the Lord's declaring 2020 is a year of vision that we see clearly, 
It's not just see everything that's going on. See, we can even be saying, look at everything that's happening. This is being exposed. That's being exposed. What's happening to children, which is horrible. What racism is being exposed. All these things are being exposed. And we can get focused on this, and we're still on this level. We're just looking here. And God said, no, what I'm trying to expose is I'm trying to bring into full revelation and sight his sons of God that live from a different place, that aren't subject to the things that are going on. Jesus wasn't subject to the things that were going on around him. If people were hungry, he fed them. They were hurting, he helped them. If they were sick, he healed them. Because he was living from a different reality, a different realm, and that's what we're called to do. So we can't be caught up. It doesn't mean that we close an eye and we're scared to talk about it. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about we don't put our focus and our, and our gaze on what's going on here. We go, all right, Lord, I see what's going on. How do I bring heaven in this situation? How do I bring the reality of who you are? Amen. Let's stand.